0: How do they go about exploring it further? On today's show, we'll be talking about the medical industry and specifically working as a resident physician in the medical industry. A resident physician is someone who practices medicine under the guidance of senior doctors until he or she is ready to practice medicine on their own. Residency is a stage of graduate medical training where the physician practices medicine in a hospital or a clinic, gets on-the-job training, practices medicine under the guidance of senior doctors, and further, chooses a specific branch of medicine to specialize in. To help us understand this area, our guest on today's show is Nina Pasi, who works as a resident physician at Albert Einstein College of Medicine in New York City. She has an MD, that is, Doctor of Medicine, from George Washington University School of Medicine and Health Sciences. And as of today, she is in her second year of residency. Apart from her strong academic and professional background, Nina also has a very strong research background. While she was in college, she conducted research in the areas of neuroradiology and ophthalmology. And right now, she is looking into certain areas in cardiology, and transplant medicine. And of course, we'll go into more details during the podcast. I think we can all agree on the tremendous impact that doctors have in our lives. And on today's show, Nina will be sharing a lot of details to help us understand what is it like to work as one and the kind of people who would really enjoy working in the field of medicine. Also, on a quick note, at the end of the podcast, if you have any questions, either for Nina or for us, please don't hesitate from reaching out to us. You can email us at learneducatediscover at gmail.com and we promise that we'll get back to you within 24 to 48 hours. So, without further ado, let's switch over to Nina. Hey Nina, how are you? Thank you for joining us. I'm
1: well. Thank you, Sonali, for having me on this podcast.
0: Yes, of course. It's Saturday morning, but is a weekend pretty much like a regular weekday for you where you're working all the time, or do you get any time off at all?
1: Uh, In general, I get at least one day off a week, so today I have a day off,
0: thankfully. I see. Okay, so that day, is that something that you can choose on your own, or is that a fixed day?
1: It's a pre-fixed day. So either
0: Saturday
1: or Sunday is one of the days in the weekends that we generally get off.
0: I see. Okay. And, you know, I'm, I'm not very familiar with the medical lifestyle. My impression is that it's really, really stressful. So do, are you working sort of round the clock at all kinds of odd hours or what does it look like?
1: You know, I think medicine does get a bad rap for having long hours, but you know while there are times where the hours are long and the work is difficult uh, i think the lifestyle for physicians has dramatically changed over the past decade you know as medicine is becoming more subspecialized and doctors join or joining larger practices and hospital systems the workload is becoming distributed more evenly and so physicians are working more balanced hours Also for physicians in training like myself, there are a number of regulations on our work hours as a means of reducing uh, errors and also improving the quality of patient care. So on average, I'll work about 60 to 70 hours a week. And like I said, I get at least one day off per week.
0: Okay, yeah, that's interesting. So this change in trend to make a doctor's lifestyle slightly more easier compared to what it might have been in the past is that something which has been more as a result of regulation or is, is this more sort of an industry-wide sort of realization that hey you know, you know this is not sustainable
1: i think both both through regulations and through just the overall trend in the medical fields for
0: physicians to have a more balanced lifestyle
1: Mm-hmm.
0: okay All right, so let's get into then understanding what a physician does, but uh, why don't we start out with you telling us a little bit about yourself and your journey so far?
1: Sure, so I grew up in the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area, and I went to undergrad and medical school at the George Washington University School of Medicine through their seven-year accelerated bachelor's and medical doctorate program. And currently I'm working as a resident physician at a hospital in new york I'm training in internal
0: medicine with a future focus on the subspecialty of cardiology. I see okay, so I think what will be helpful like for example, if I take myself, i am really not familiar with the academic slash training path that someone has to take to eventually become a full time practicing doctor and I think it will be helpful if you can walk us through sort of the, the key stages that take place before you can actually start practicing medicine.
1: Sure. So additionally, to become a doctor, you first have to obtain a bachelor's degree, and then you'll go and complete a four-year medical school training in order to attain your medical doctorate degree. And once you've graduated medical school, you'll go on to complete a residency training program in a specific field of medicine. For example, some go into internal medicine, other goes, others go into surgery, pediatrics, gynecology, radiology, or psychiatry. I'm just naming a few to mm-hmm. give you a gist. And then once you've completed your residency, which is generally... you three to seven years depending on the field that you choose you'll go on to further sub-specialize within
0: your field through a fellowship training program oh wow okay yeah so if I caught that correctly you first have to do a bachelor's for three to four years is this bachelor's can you can it be in any field or does it have to be in certain areas
1: it can be in any field. I know a lot of people choose to do a, a science, you know, bachelor's within a science degree. Others choose to do it within economics or the arts. You only have to complete a few prerequisite classes in like biology, physics, chemistry,
0: organic chemistry in order to, to apply to medical school. I see. So you need to have certain, I guess, credits or hours spent in some of of the science subjects before you can apply for medical school. That's correct. Okay, okay. So you do your bachelor's, which will be around three to four years. Then you do your medical school, which is another four years. Then you do your residency, which you said can take anywhere between three to seven years, depending on the area that you're choosing to specialize in. Okay. Uh, So can you tell me what leads to the variation in the number of years it takes for you to complete your residency? Sure. So it, it
1: depends on the field. So within internal medicine or pediatrics, you're not spending time in the operating room like a surgeon or a gynecologist who, in addition to learning sort of the clinical aspects of medicine,
0: you also have to learn the technical aspects of operating. I see. Okay. All right. And after this, you also have to do a fellowship after completing a residency?
1: So about half of the individuals who complete a residency do choose to go on to a subspecialty fellowship, where, and then the other half choose to start practicing as a fully
0: licensed physician. I see. Okay, so technically you can start practicing medicine right after completing your residency, but for some they might choose to further subspecialize. Can you give us examples of what those subspecialties might look like?
1: Sure. So for example, if someone after their internal medicine residency goes on to complete a fellowship in general cardiology, they may choose to go on and do a fellowship in interventional cardiology or heart failure or imaging. So those are more specific subspecialties within the field of
0: cardiology. Okay. Okay. I see. Got it. And just to clarify, For me, as well as our listeners, what is the meaning of internal medicine? So
1: internal medicine refers to training of taking care of adult patients and the general conditions that affect adults. And those conditions generally are high blood pressure, diabetes, thyroid problems. It covers a broad
0: spectrum of conditions within the adult population. I see. So it's it sounds, and again, I'm speaking as a layman, but it sounds sort of an area that like a general physician might look Correct. at. Yeah, got it. <clears throat> so what attracted you to a career in medicine?
1: So personally, I knew at an early age that I wanted to pursue a career in medicine. My choice was partially biased because my father is a physician and therefore I was exposed to this field at a fairly early age. Growing up, I enjoyed science and math, and I knew that I ultimately wanted to be in a field where I was going to personally and directly help people. And I think medicine is a field that offers a lifetime of intellectual stimulation and emotional gratification. At the heart of the practice of medicine, doctors care for another human's physical, emotional, and mental well-being. Their art centers on evaluating the patient then synthesizing data, thinking about problems with compassion, and then coming up with an individualized plan. They think about issues on a scientific and social level, as well as on a personal and public level. And I think, you know, many students now who are contemplating career choices become sort of distracted by the enticements of financial wealth and laid-back lifestyles, and they forget to think about a career as being something that's supposed to be personally gratifying and a means of contributing to the advancement of society as well as advancing their own personal growth. So I think, you know, if you decide to enter the field of medicine for the money and glamour, you're probably going to enter this profession for the wrong reasons. But if you choose to enter this field because you have a genuine desire to help others, to be a part of a team, to devote yourself to a lifetime of learning, you'll definitely excel and find that this field
0: has a lot to offer in terms of opportunity and growth. Right, right. You know, you you brought up a couple of very interesting points. One is, so I guess because your father was a physician, you, you grew up with that and you could see firsthand the kind of impact he was having on people around him. But for a lot of people, sometimes, like I remember when I was in school, there were a lot of people who just, they would just think about how doctors sort of cut up people and there's a lot of blood involved and it's just sort of, it it sounds very silly. It is silly. But uh, it was uh, something which which was hard to digest, so to say. And so they would just sort of get scared of going into that field, even though they might have been very interested in just helping people and helping them feel better. But that was something that would just add like a deterrent. So what would you say to people like that who might be interested in the field overall, but there might be some sort of these factors which prevent them from giving it a shot? Right.
1: I think you bring up a good point. The process of becoming a doctor is quite long and at times is taxing both mentally and physically. And that's why it's important to keep things in perspective. Through my training, I've witnessed the hard work and the determination that it takes to practice medicine. But I also witness the genuine satisfaction that someone feels by serving others. Doctors have the privilege of helping others at their most vulnerable states. And to be given that privilege is both a huge responsibility and honor. People look to us doctors for answers, and it's up to us to kind of provide them. And while it's daunting at times to think that our decisions hold such weight it's also incredibly rewarding to know that all the hard work you've put in over the years of training has the ability to influence another person's life as well as their families. And I like to compare medicine to a team sport. To take care of another individual's body and mind requires is a huge responsibility, and it requires a team of specialists who each contribute a certain level of expertise And I've been very fortunate to train at academic centers that have been supportive of their students and foster a collaborative team environment. There have been many amazingly selfless, intelligent, and innovative mentors and colleagues that have left a mark on my training and growth as a person and physician.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you mentioned right now that a lot of times just the, the fact that you're taking decisions which can really be, at some points even life and death kind of decisions for other people. I can imagine that can be a very, very stressful thing to do, right? So have you seen doctors sort of struggling with that? And if yes, how do they cope up with it? So that's a good question.
1: Like I said, the the decisions we make on a day-to-day basis are life and death decisions. Medicine is a very collegial profession. And no matter what, at what phase of training or years of experience you've had, you always feel as a physician that there's someone that you can kind of run things by, get a second opinion and help
0: you make that best decision for your patient. Mm -hmm. So I guess you keep your, the impact that you will have in your mind as you're going through that decision making process so throughout this process I mean the process that you described of uh, you first you get a bachelor's and uh, then you go to medical school then you do your residency I mean that process in itself right now I think adds up to more than 10 years Uh, it's around 14 to 14 to 17 years and then people might also sub-specialize so that's a really long period of time Have you seen sort of people drop out in the middle of that process? Like, Who are those people who keep going through and do people drop out? If yes, what do they end up doing?
1: So it's very rare for people to not complete their training process. For those who don't complete a residency, it's usually because for personal reasons, Once you've crossed the threshold of completing medical school, you're generally kept on a path of success, as long as you remain interested and involved with keeping up with current practice guidelines within your field. So it's very rare for
0: someone to actually leave the field. I see. I see. Okay. And my other follow-up question was that because there's so much happening in this field all the time, right? I'm sure doctors have to spend a significant amount of their time just keeping up with the latest developments so is is that true and if yes how do you do it
1: we do have to keep up with the latest developments within the medical field there are a number of resources that we read routinely we have medical journals and publications within specific specialties that keep us abreast of the latest developments and new innovations within
0: the field. How do you find time for that? I mean, do you have to specifically carve out time just to look at what is going on? You do have to make time for that. For
1: a lot of us, it becomes our leisure reading material. <laughs> wow, yeah. Um, but for medicine, it's, it becomes part of your lifestyle to keep abreast of these situations. And it is very interesting when you, you do practice this on a daily basis.
0: Right. So, if I look at your profile, I see that you've done, uh, you've worked on a lot of research areas, and you've published a lot of papers. So, is that something that everyone in medicine does, or is that something which is unique to you?
1: So, while research is not required, it is becoming more and more important in the medical profession, especially as evidence-based medical practice is gaining popularity. And also for physicians who wish to practice medicine in an academic setting, research is an integral part of their careers. Um, So for residents and fellows especially who are applying for further training, research is important as a means of demonstrating your interest in a particular field of medicine as well as demonstrating that you have a basic understanding of research study designs, and the ability to write for a scientific publication. The majority of medical students and residents do participate in research at various degrees of involvement. Some create their own projects and others serve as junior members on larger projects to help with certain aspects like data gathering, analysis, or the actual writing of the publication. And I think overall research is one of the great opportunities in medicine that
0: allows doctors to contribute to the field on a larger scale. I see. Is continuing to do research, is is that something that carries on even later on in a doctor's career? So once they're done with their medical school and their residency and sort of going through the academic process of all of this, even later on, do they continue to research?
1: Yes, for most physicians who remain in an academic setting where they practice at, for instance, the, an academic hospital, they will continue to do research as part
0: of their careers. Mm-hmm. So, so I guess for that you will have to be affiliated with some sort of a lab or a hospital which can provide you with the necessary resources.
1: Yes. Okay. Usually those are the hospitals that are affiliated with medical
0: schools. Oh, so that means so there are some hospitals that are affiliated with medical schools and some which aren't.
1: Right. There are some hospitals that are just private hospitals
0: mm-hmm. and are not affiliated with an academic institution. And I think, for example, you're working at a hospital that is affiliated with an academic institution. That's correct. Right. But will you find a residency program at both hospitals?
1: Residency programs are generally affiliated with academic institutions yeah
0: okay okay all right are there any sort of your go-to publications or journals that you prefer to look at as at least when you're sort of looking to understand what is going on
1: within each field of medicine there are going to be specific journals that are the go-to resources for those physicians to keep them abreast of the latest innovations and studies that have been done so within internal medicine, generally we look at like the Journal of the Medical American Medical Association, or there are a number of other publications that are specific for internal medicine.
0: Okay. All right. So in your words, how would you describe what a physician does?
1: So physicians are skilled trained health professionals who are licensed to practice medicine. They are responsible for caring for individuals to, first of all, prevent disease and maintain physical and mental well-being. And then in those who do become sick, we are responsible for providing care for them. And I think, as I mentioned before, physicians are responsible for caring for patients at their most vulnerable states. And we have to care for individuals both in terms of their body and mind.
0: One thing that I'd like to clarify is that so for example you mentioned that you might be specializing in cardiology right so if i'm understanding you correctly what that means is that once you graduate from medical school everyone starts out as a physician and then they can either they can either specialize in something like neurology or cardiology or gynecology their whatever field of interest or they can become general physicians is that correct that's correct I see. Okay. All right. I didn't know that. I learned something new. All right. So right now you're working as a resident, right? So you are right now, how long is your residency program?
1: So my residency program is three years. I'm currently in my second year of
0: training. I see. Okay. And what is life like as a resident?
1: You know, as a resident, you're essentially a doctor in training. You have the medical knowledge and the fundamentals of applying that knowledge to clinical practice, which you learned in medical school, and you're working towards being able to practice independently. And depending on the field of medicine that you choose, your daily schedule will be structured a little bit differently. So without getting into too much detail, I'll sort of give you a general gist of how each specialist will spend their day and time. So in internal medicine. And for pediatricians, they spend a significant amount of time in the hospital and in an office-based setting to care for patients who are both healthy and sick. Those who are in surgery and gynecology, they're going to spend their time split between the hospital floors and office-based settings, as well as in the operating rooms, learning the techniques of operating on someone. And then those who go into radiology spend a significant amount of time mastering the process of reading imaging studies like x-rays and cts and mris Mm
0: -hmm. all right so so everyone is sort of spending more and more time in doing things which are specific to their field of specialization
1: right right
0: okay and are you always under the supervision of senior doctors as a resident yes okay that's correct Right. So, so when you join a residency program, are you then assigned to one or more doctors? How does it work?
1: So during your, rotate, your residency, you'll spend several months on different rotations within your training program. And on those rotations, there'll be specific attending physicians who are assigned to oversee your training experience. So you'll work with a number of physicians over the course of your
0: training. I see. Okay. Generally, in any residency program, do you join as a group? So are there a group of residents right now in training? Yes. So generally,
1: residency programs are, depending on the specialty, between, you know, 5 to 30 individuals
0: within a class. Oh, wow. Okay. So 5 to 30. And again, I'm speaking as a layman right now, but is it at all a competitive atmosphere? Like do residents compete with each other or is is it just like, you know, you do your own thing and you have to excel at your field? So I I can uh, like I can give you an an analogy. So, for example, if you take uh, things like engineering, for example, they would have an internship program, which is not quite the same. But an internship program happens usually like in your third year out of a four-year course and you would work at a company for let's say three or four months and at the end of those three months the company would then assess your performance both individually as well as relative to other interns and then they would extend full-time offers. So it's not quite the same thing but I'm just trying to understand how our residency program is structured.
1: So I think in any profession, it is competitive to a a certain level where you are being compared to your peers. But in medicine, I think a lot of it is just uh, self-driven. You're always trying to become a better doctor, a better caretaker. You are held to certain standards and you are expected to meet those standards, but it's up to you to sort of go above and beyond and demonstrate whether you have a specific interest within a field of medicine or you just go in and make the extra effort to be there and supportive for your patients.
0: Right, right, okay. So can you give us examples of the kind of problems that you might work on on a day-to-day basis? Sure,
1: so Broadly speaking, uh, doctors are focused on patient care and trying to optimize their health. On a daily basis, we're focused on addressing each patient's acute problem. So, for example, what brought them into the office or the hospital that day, as well as their sort of long-term health care goals. And this d- entails a great deal of coordination on our part to ensure that accurate tests are being ordered and completed, and pertinent subspecialists are being consulted for their expertise, and appropriate discharge planning and follow up appointments are being organized so that patients can make a healthy and full recovery after their hospitalization. And then, in addition to focusing on patient care, I think most physicians are in an academic setting are involved in educational opportunities and research projects. So they also have to juggle their office and hospital schedules with these conferences during the day
0: oh I see okay so even you have to, you have to even attend conferences and stuff that is more for just meeting other doctors and seeing what else is happening right okay okay so can you share examples of the kind of cases that you might work on as a resident and then also how does that evolve as you yourself progress through your residency program and then you start and then you become a fully licensed practitioner
1: Sure. So basically fully licensed physicians see similar cases as those they encounter during residency. The main difference is in the level of independence in the management of the patients. And so as a fully licensed physician, you have the full capacity to make diagnostic and treatment decisions on your own. But as a resident physician, you are functioning like an apprentice where you're encouraged to formulate your own diagnostic and treatment plans for the patient, but you always have that licensed physician overseeing
0: your decisions. Okay, okay. So is there some sort of a framework that residents follow or are asked to follow in terms of, for example, you can take decisions of type 1, 2, and 3 on your own, but decisions of type 4, 5, and 6 have to be done under the supervision of whoever you're working with at that time?
1: No, there are no formal algorithms like that. All treatment decisions that resident physician makes is overseen by a fully licensed physician. Mm-hmm. So no matter how minor or how large major the decision is, a fully licensed physician is going to be overseeing the care of
0: that patient. Oh, I see, I see. Okay, got it. Can you share with all of us an example of a case that stands out in your mind? I mean, there are a number of uh, interesting
1: cases, but I think uh, last week, actually, I saw an elderly lady who presented to the hospital with uh, severe waxing and waning back pain. And after about three days with no significant improvement in her symptoms and no significant findings on her exam or lab studies or imaging studies we had to start sort of thinking outside the box and so the idea of some atypical chest pain came to mind and so I sent off some cardiac enzymes and I did an EKG and lo and behold her enzymes were elevated and she had signs of an ongoing heart attack on her EKG. So we sent her immediately to the cardiac intensive care unit for stabilization, and we did some further diagnostic workup. And she was found to have a vegetation on one of the valves in her heart, indicating that she had an infection of her heart called endocarditis. Um, And then additional workup revealed that she also had an abscess in her lower spine, that was consistent with the diagnosis of osteomyelitis, which is an infection of the bone. And so it was believed that this patient had somehow contracted chronic osteomyelitis, perhaps from a dental abscess, and then that seeded her bloodstream, which then formed a vegetation on her heart valve. And this case was just very interesting because her presenting symptoms were so atypical for a heart condition, And I think this just highlights the fact that in medicine, nothing is ever routine and we're constantly kept on our toes and we're challenged to think outside of the box.
0: Yeah, actually, you know, you bring up some very, very interesting points, but just a quick clarification first. What is the meaning of vegetation on your heart valve? (laughs)
1: Uh, so a vegetation is essentially like a, a growth of bacteria or abnormal tissue.
0: Okay. All right. So, so it's something that would show up in an x-ray?
1: On a specific type of study called an ultrasound. I it's see. generally
0: how it's picked up. I see. I see. So I think this is a very interesting story that you share because uh, it brings up sort of the role of creativity in this profession and... It'll be helpful for you if you can share with us, you know, what, what is the role of creativity in this profession? To what extent are doctors creative? If you're more creative, does that always help you? Or is it better to sort of stick to certain rules? What is your opinion on this?
1: So that's an interesting question. Um, I don't think I've ever been asked that. <laughs> so in our training, we learn all these diagnostic algorithms, that. Ed- and guidelines to sort of help help with our thought process so that we don't miss uh, severe conditions that would potentially kill a patient. In terms of creativity, I think in any profession you can't get locked into thinking about something in one fixed way. Um, you constantly need to be thinking about problems from all different directions. And that's just so that you not only don't miss something, but you potentially could learn how to do something better or in a
0: more efficient way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but do you think creativity is a big part of practicing medicine?
1: I think creativity is important. That being said, a lot of things in medicine are fairly routine and there's very rarely kind of a zebra case like the one I presented but you do always need to be on the lookout because certain conditions don't necessarily always present the same way in patients.
0: Right right that makes sense okay and and the other thing that came to my mind as you were describing the story is and I'm sure doctors sort of figure out how to deal with it but when you get patients like these right and I'm sure you've come across some many more worse cases where a patient is clearly in a lot of pain and he or she is struggling. I'm sure it's very easy or or a human tendency to sort of get emotionally attached to the case, right? Because at the end of the day, it is a fellow human being and they really need help. At the same time, you want to maintain sort of your rational head and take level-headed decisions. So is that something that doctors have to figure out how to cope with? How do they do it? So I think
1: Through your training, everyone sort of learns how to cope with it in their own way. In medical school and residency, we do have certain sessions where we do talk about these personal issues and how to cope with losing a patient that may have made a significant impact on our life. And I think, like I said, medicine is a very collegial environment you always feel like you do have
0: support around you and you're never really alone. Okay. So are doctors generally advised to maintain a certain distance from their patients just to to be able to stay level-headed throughout? Yes. I think
1: we are encouraged to show empathy and compassion for our patients, but at the same time, it it is a profession and we want to be making the most rational and logical decisions for our patients' health. So that requires a level of distance.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. How do residents go about choosing a specialization?
1: So I think much like when one chooses to go to medical school, the process of choosing a specialization and subspecialization requires you to look introspectively and figure out what your strengths and weaknesses are, and what you would enjoy learning and doing for the rest of your life, and ultimately the type of lifestyle you envision yourself having. So the last two years of medical school are known as the clinical years, where each student spends about one to two months on a specialization ranging, ranging from internal medicine or pediatrics or surgery or gynecology. And these clinical rotations are meant to give medical students the opportunity to not only hone their clinical knowledge about specific specializations of medicine, but also the opportunity to see the type of practice and lifestyle a physician in that specific specialty has. Um, and so these rotations are almost like tryouts to what the student in the field and allow them to figure out whether that specialty is a good fit for them. And there is actually an excellent resource online published by the American Academy of Medical Colleges called uh, Careers in Medicine. And I think it provides uh, great details about various subspecialties of medicine and also has a tool that helps you assess your values and interests
0: and personality and
1: skills that can help you choose a
0: specialty based on your attributes. Okay. That's very interesting. So this is a very good point, because uh, what you're saying is that it is, of course, a a function of the of your interest uh, that I'm guessing is primary. But then there are a lot of other variables that also come into the picture, for example, the kind of lifestyle you want to have. So can you share with us some of the key areas that people think about as they're going through the process of making this decision about where to specialize so like I mentioned it's it has to do with
1: your personal interests um, in terms of the type of medicine you like to practice and you see yourself in the type of patient population you'd like to deal with whether it's adults versus children versus you know only a female population and ultimately you know a lot of decisions are influenced by the type of lifestyle you see yourself having, whether, you know, a family is important to you and how much time you want to spend with your family.
0: Mm -hmm. All right. So, uh, so I think this gives us a good idea of the overall journey uh, that someone might take to become a fully licensed practitioner and then going about choosing a specialization. Once someone is done with their residency, what are the various careers, career options that exist post-residency?
1: Sure. So, like I said before, about half uh, of the people who complete a residency will go on to do a subspecialty fellowship training, and then the other half will go on to practice as fully licensed physicians within their
0: field of specialty. Mm-hmm. And in order to become a, or rather to practice as a fully licensed practitioner, do you have to always work at a hospital or, you know, I I see a lot of doctors who are working at clinics, some of them open their own clinics. So how do they take those decisions? So depending on the field of specialty you choose, you'll either
1: be in a hospital-based setting or a clinic-based setting or a combination of both. And and that's partially something that you need to take into consideration when choosing a field of medicine is is what type of setting and environment uh, and patient population you want to be working with.
0: I see. So can you share an example for uh, maybe that this specialization is more uh, suitable for a hospital kind of setting and this other specialization might be more of a clinic kind of setting?
1: Sure. So... Within general medicine, uh, it's actually becoming further specialized so that there's now a specialty, what we call hospitalists. So they primarily practice general medicine, but they're seeing patients only in the hospital setting and, and caring for sort of whole patient, but in, only in the hospital. And then there's the primary care doctors who take care of patients in the office-based clinic setting. And generally, you know, they see patients when they're healthier and they're focused on preventing disease more than sort of addressing acute issues that may take a patient to the hospital.
0: I see. I see. Okay. All right. So now that you've spent some time working in medicine, are there things that you've learned that you weren't aware of initially?
1: I have to think about that. So I think I'm lucky in the sense that there are very few things that I feel I wasn't prepared for when I chose to enter this field. I expected that the work would be difficult at times, the hours would be long, and I would have to make sacrifices along the way. But to get to your point, when I started residency, I probably least expected the velocity of change within the healthcare system. Especially in terms of the rate of innovation with electronic medical record systems and the reorganization of hospital systems and healthcare policy, and I think while these changes have a very little effect on my current day-to-day tasks, they are certainly going to affect the job market for future physicians. And I'm fortunate to have trained at, at institutions where you know we have mentors and educators who are on the forefront of these innovations and
0: have prepared me well to deal with these systemic shifts mm-hmm. yeah that that that's a great point because it's not just sort of the the changes sort of uh, the new discoveries that people are making in the field of medicine per se but it's also these sort of administrative slash logistical changes that are happening which also impact a resident's or, or a physician's life right great, right yeah All right. So in your opinion, what do you think are the most interesting aspects of working in medicine?
1: So a lot of the most interesting aspects of medicine, I think, are similar to what attracted me to the field of medicine in the first place. There are very few fields where you have the responsibility of being a learner, a leader, and an educator. In medicine, you're challenged to think about problems intellectually and socially. So, for example, you have to come up with an individualized medication regimen for an elderly patient who has high blood pressure, but also who has limited assistance at home. So, you know, you have to think creatively on how to limit the pill burden for this patient so she'll actually be able to take her medication and control her blood pressure. In medicine, you're also given the opportunity to help others on a personal and population level. So, for example, in the primary care setting, we educate our patients on their health and the steps that they can take to prevent disease, like heart disease, cancer, and stroke. But this also affects sort of the population in the sense that we try to do this to reduce the burden on our healthcare system of these chronic diseases, and then. Thirdly, I think as a doctor, you're seen as a leader and educator because many physicians end up serving as clinical educators to medical students and residents and fellows to pass along the pearls and wisdom about clinical practice. And then finally, I think medicine is very unique in the sense that you are responsible for serving others in their most vulnerable phases of their life. And this is both a privilege and an honor.
0: Yes, of course. I mean, I just sort of 10 seconds on this. I really do think practicing medicine is one of the most high-impact careers that you can choose to to take out because you really are helping people out. So I guess thank you for for choosing to do this. Are there any aspects that you find challenging? And I know that you've touched on some throughout our conversation, but if you were to think about Things that you find the most challenging about this profession, what would they be?
1: I believe that one of the most challenging aspects of medicine is also what makes it one of the most interesting, and that's the fact that we as doctors must always be prepared for the unexpected. So, as doctors, we're always trying to act on the beneficence of our patients to give them the best outcome in terms of their quantity and quality of life. So while we always hope that the treatment or surgery we prescribe will cure our patients, we must constantly be prepared for the worst outcome. And a great deal of our training actually centers on planning and preparing for these worst complications, whether it's a terminally ill patient who's on an experimental drug therapy or a fairly young patient who comes in with a debilitating stroke, or a stable patient in, in the hospital who undergoes, you know, a fairly routine procedure and then suddenly decompensates. On any given day, we must be prepared to deal with the unexpected and the chance that things don't work out as planned. And in this sense, I think medicine requires a great deal of vigilance and adaptability, qualities which take a lot of practice and dedication to hold.
0: Right, right, right. Yeah, that's a great point. All right, so let's switch gears now to answering some questions around just helping someone figure out if this is the right profession for them and if yes, how do they go about entering it? So first of all, in your opinion, what are the key attributes that someone should have? for them to become a successful doctor. And if there's anything, any attributes that might be good to have over and above these basic attributes, which would really enable them to truly enjoy themselves to work as a physician.
1: You know, before delving into what kind of person uh, I think would really enjoy himself or herself in medicine, I think that for everyone who's contemplating a a career choice, um, there are three things that they should think about. First, you have to look introspectively and figure out what you value in life and how you want to leave your mark in this world. Uh, Secondly, I think you need to figure out what kind of environment you want to work in and what types of people uh, with whom you want to work. And then lastly, I think you need to find out What sorts of opportunities there are for growth within the field you choose. But getting back to your question, off the top of my head, I can think about five very important qualities someone who's considering a field in medicine should have. First, I think someone who is empathetic and who values helping others and enjoys interacting with people from various socioeconomic and cultural backgrounds would be suitable for a career in medicine. Secondly, I think someone who enjoys working collaboratively in a team setting is very important for anyone entering the field of medicine. Third, I think someone who enjoys learning and teaching is very important because a great deal of the medical profession um, is about leaving a legacy and helping the next generation of, of physicians train fourth i think someone who enjoys science and technology and is willing to put in the time and effort to learning The technical details about biologic systems and the nuances of clinical practice is very important. And then lastly, I think someone who has a a high ethical moral standard and someone who has a hard work ethic and is persistent is extremely important to have when entering this field because it takes a lot of sacrifice
0: to train and practice medicine. Mm -hmm. I was just thinking that's quite a list. It's not easy to find so many such tough to find attributes anyway in one person. But yeah, I I think that does give a very good idea of uh, the kind of person who should definitely consider this profession very seriously. Um, By now you must have worked with so many doctors, right? So the best doctors and you, you can pick any field that you like, but the best doctors, what do you see them do differently? What, what do you think really makes them stand out? And it will be great if you can share an example if you have one.
1: Sure. So I think you can tell the best doctors are those who enjoy learning from their patients and have an ability to connect with people from all types of cultural, socioeconomic, and educational backgrounds. In medicine, there are two especially important sayings. One is that the best textbook is your patient, and the second is the more you see, the more you learn. And I think this has to do with the fact that there are so many conditions and disorders to learn about, and they don't necessarily present the same way in each patient, which just compounds the complexity of the diagnosis and treatment. So to give you an example, you know, if we have two elderly Caucasian males who come to the emergency room complaining of chest pain, and they describe their chest pain very similarly as this crushing substernal pain that's associated with some numbness in their hands, both of them work very high stressful jobs on Wall Street. And then, you know, you're talking to one of them, you learn that actually one of them uses cocaine to sort of deal with the stress. And the last time they used cocaine was about an hour before they came to the emergency room. So taking this into account, the way we treat someone who has used a drug like cocaine and is presenting with chest pain is going to be very different from a gentleman who is just presenting with some simple chest pain so you know I think this just illustrates that and like in any job you want to do your job well and part of being a good physician is being able to tease out information like this uh, in order to diagnose our patients both accurately
0: and so that we can treat them appropriately and avoid serious complications Right, right. No, that, that's a great example because I think it goes back to your point of having empathy for your patients and I think taking a genuine interest in each of your patients so that you can understand all of these, all of all of this context, which might be very relevant to your particular case. So if someone wants to enter the field of medicine, how do you recommend they start? Sure.
1: So I highly encourage those are even slightly interested in going to medical school to talk to current professionals in the field of medicine that they may be interested in pursuing. Try to get a sense of what their day-to-day life is like, what their role is in terms of the broad spectrum of the practice of medicine, and what it is that they like or perhaps would change about their profession. And those who are seriously interested, I recommend pursuing opportunities to shadow medical professionals. And this doesn't necessarily have to be doctors. You know, there are a number of mid level providers like nurse practitioners and physician's assistants within medicine who can really give you a good sense of what the field is about. Go and volunteer in a hospital or work in a lab to get more exposure to the field and gain a better understanding of the structure and the organization
0: of the field actually you know those are great ideas so how uh how does volunteering at a hospital or a lab work uh, can you can you simply sort of walk in and ask hey you know i want to help out and or do you have to apply somewhere for helping them out how does it work
1: so there is usually an application process. Generally, there's like a volunteer office that you can go get uh, some information in an application uh, to fill out. So there, there is a process of going about it. But generally, you know, they're very open to students coming in and
0: helping out. Mm-hmm. And when you volunteer, typically what are the kind of roles that you might volunteer in? You know, generally they'll assign you to
1: a specific area in the hospital to shadow or help out in. So for example, when I was in high school, I volunteered on the antipartum unit. So I I volunteered on the unit where women who were pregnant had to be hospitalized for various reasons because of complications with
0: their pregnancy. Ah, I see. Okay. and This was when you were in high school, so you hadn't even started studying medicine at that time. Right okay, actually that that's a great idea, so even people who have who are not formally studying medicine in any way can volunteer in some capacity just to see what the environment is like and if they would like to consider working in it full time
1: right, right,
0: okay, all right, all right, this was great. Thank you so much, Nina. Is there any area that you think we haven't covered yet?
1: You know, I just think I'd like to end with you know the fact that deciding on a career path is a big decision. And especially if you choose to decide to pursue medicine, which is notorious for being a rather grueling and long process. That being said, I think that all the energy and the time and the effort to becoming a doctor pales in comparison to the rewards this field has to offer. And as I mentioned before, anyone considering medicine should look introspectively and figure out what they value in life and how they want to leave a mark in this world. So if you're looking to be in a field where each day is exciting and is almost never the same, or a career where you will not only be practicing your arts, but also be considered a leader and an educator, and a career where you'll be remembered by those you've touched personally and those with whom you worked to collaborate on something for a greater purpose, uh, medicine is the right field for you, and you should really consider it. I personally don't think I could have chosen a greater profession, and I'm very grateful for the opportunity and the privilege to be a part of this amazing group of professionals.
0: All right. Thanks a lot. I mean, I can't imagine a better way to end the podcast. So thank you so much. And I really hope that there are more people who get inspired by your podcast and decide to enter this profession because you really can create an impact by working in medicine. So thank you so much. And thank you you for your time. Yes. Take care and have a good weekend. Enjoy your one day off in the week (laughs) while the rest of us enjoy two days off. Uh, Anyway. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. So that was Nina with a very detailed and inspiring account of what it's like to work in the field of medicine, specifically as a resident physician. I hope you enjoyed listening to today's episode. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes or SoundCloud. It is called learn, educate, discover as always show notes from today's episode will be posted to our blog. You can find our blog at medium.com forward slash at led underscore curator. Also, if you have any questions for Nina or if you have any feedback for us or if you have any suggestions for professions that we should include in our upcoming episodes, you can email us at learn, educate, discover at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is At led underscore curator. So that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. Until the next one, bye bye.